Jesus, you are our firm foundation. Our life is founded upon our faith in you, Lord Jesus, and in your holy word. And you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. Church Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same love and devotion and commitment they had to Christ in the first century at Pentecost, we can have that same devotion to Christ today because he is the solid rock and he does not change. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this time of worship we have this morning. For us in Jesus' mighty name I pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, turn in, your, turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're looking at verses 13 through 21. We're looking at the feeding of the 5,000. What an amazing passage of Scripture. And just, just by way of information, the, the, this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle besides the resurrection of Christ that's recorded in all four Gospels. That tells me it's very, 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 four varies, important. <laughs> so let's, let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed excuse me, and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten about, were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. So, the question we should ask, the question that you should ask, anytime you read a Bible passage, or listening to a sermon, or reading a devotional in your quiet time, what's the most important question we need to ask when we read the Bible? What does this passage teach me about God? That is the absolute most important question you can ask when you read any verse of scripture or any passage in the Bible. And then the second question that you need to ask is, how does it apply to my life? Those are the two big questions. If you look at your Bible study and look at, listen to sermons, through those lens, you will grow exponentially. You will grow by leaps and bounds when you understand what the scripture is saying and you ask yourself, what is, what, what is this passage teaching me about God? Look closely at verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion, with compassion for them. 
The title of my message this morning is The Miracle of Compassion. And I think this is an area that all Christians would agree that we need to grow in. We need to grow in the area of compassion. Sometimes we can come across as harsh. Sometimes we can come across as mean at times. But we need to grow in the area of compassion. And I'm going to show that to you in the New Testament epistles this morning. You know, what emotion, if any, do you have when you see people that are broken? When you see the homeless, what, what emotions come to your heart? When you see people that are starving, what emotions come to you? Uh, what, uh, when you see people struggling with sin, when you see people that are lost and they don't know Christ, what emotions come to you? How, do you, how, do, how does that make you feel? This, this Greek word compassion, if you look it up in Vine's Expository Dictionary, it literally means that your inside of your bowels are moved. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an overwhelming, consuming passion that stirs from within the inside of you that wants to reach out to the lost, to the starving, to the homeless, to people that need Christ. That is the type of compassion that Christ had. And as followers of Christ, I think it would do us well to follow in his footsteps and have that same spirit-filled move of emotion. This morning, we're studying the feeding of the 5,000. This miracle is an example and an illustration of Jesus' compassion towards the broken and sinful world. Remember our question, what does the passage teach us about God? It says Jesus had compassion, so that's what we're focusing on this morning. For you and I to exercise compassion on a consistent basis is truly a miracle, just to be honest with you, it's, true, it's truly a miracle because we are inherently uh, sinful, uh, selfish, self-centered people. That's what the human race is apart from the Lord. For the most part, all we care about is ourself. Or, or as Toby Keith said in 2012 in his song, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one. That's the the mentality that most people have in this life. But then you become born again. You become born again. You experience this new birth by being in Christ. And he gives you this new life. And then all of a sudden, man, your focus goes from self to Christ. It goes from self to people. And the way you express yourself to people is through compassion through compassion. Compassion is a gift God gives to all believers, and we are to exercise it towards the world. If we want to be biblical, if we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we will be compassionate people. And remember this, family. I'm I'm going to bring some other scripture in here shortly, but our compassion is always grounded in the truth that God is compassionate as we just saw in in verse 14. God is incompassionate. His compassion was on full display at the cross. We deserve judgment. We deserve wrath. We deserve hell. But God says, I'm going to show them compassion. I'm going to show them mercy. I'm going to show them grace. I'm going to show them love. And as I said, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle outside of the resurrection. This is in all four Gospels. And this fact alone 
magnifies the importance of compassion. So are y'all ready to talk about compassion in our verse-by-verse study? Let's do it. Matthew chapter 14, let's pick it up at verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So here in this text before us, you have to know what was taking place right before it. Right before it, John the Baptist was beheaded. And the disciples, after what they witnessed and what they saw, the Bible says that they took his torso, they took his body with a decapitated head, and they went and, and, they went and buried it, okay? The disciples are emotionally spent. They are finished. They are done. They've seen so much. Mark's gospel, as I said, this is mentioned in all four gospels. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it adds to the picture of our study. But Mark 6, 31 says, he said to them, come, as- come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest. Rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. The disciples at this point in the gospels They are worn out. They are exhausted. And by everything they've they've seen, it's just been overwhelming to them. They couldn't handle everything they were seeing and everything that was taking place. So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Shake it off. Keep on going. Get stronger. No. He doesn't say that. He doesn't tell them just press ahead and just let it go. What does he say to them? Go and rest. Go and get some rest. Anybody that has ever been involved in ministry to broken people knows that you take on the burden of those that you minister to. It is as if you feel the weight of their sin and their struggle and you want to help people, but be advised, it can wear you out. It can wear you out mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It, it can take you, it can, it can leave the gas tank empty when you're trying to help people break free from the bondage of this world to pursue Christ. It can be very challenging. So what do you do when you are tired and worn out? What do I do when I'm tired and I'm worn out? Don't quit. Jesus says, go and rest. Go and rest. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Even the warrior needs a rest, as Twyla Paris said back in the 90s. Even the warrior, even the child of God needs to pull back and go find refuge in the Savior, to spend quiet time alone with the Lord because of ministry, because of ministering to people. Everyone needs a rest. There are no spiritual Rambos, okay? No people that just keep on going, going, and going, and going. At some point in the life of a minister, in the life of people who do ministry, you will run out of gas, But before you run out of gas, run to the Savior and find your rest. Find your rest. 
Let's continue. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with, there it is, our word, compassion for them, and he healed their sick. So, we talk a lot about the holiness of God. We talk a lot about the, the righteousness of God and omniscience and, and omnipresent. And he is all of those. All of those are his attributes. But this morning, we're looking at that attribute of compassion. God is compassionate. God is compassionate. I looked at the definition of compassion in Vine's dictionary. In Vine's dictionary, the definition for compassion is to have pity, a feeling of distress through the ills of others, to show kindness, to have deep empathy. Do we show compassion? You know, as I'm studying this week, I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at my interaction with people. And I ask myself, do I show compassion to people? Do you show compassion to people? You know, do we have pity? Do we have feelings of distress? Do we have a a deep empathy for the broken world? That is Christianity. That is where the Savior goes and meets people in, in their brokenness and woos them, encourages them, challenges them, commands them to repent, to trust in Christ, and to make a U-turn for Christ, to trust in him with all their heart. Jesus is a compassionate Savior. He understands where you are, the difficulties you face, and the temptations that are pulling on your soul. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. So, Jesus, in his compassion, your Lord and Savior, seated at the right hand of the Father, he knows the pressure that each and every one of us are facing in this life. He knows the pressures that everybody sees, and he knows the secret pressures that are coming against your heart and coming against your soul. He stands ready to help you, okay? You don't have to face them alone. Christ stands ready to help you, but you have to turn to him. You have to turn to him to get help, to turn to him wholeheartedly so that you can experience this compassion that's being talked about in verse 14. Verse 15 says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Again, if you understand what's going on in the previous passage and you understand that they're going away to a a quiet place, again, the disciples are done. They are done. They are, as I would say in 2023, they are peopled out. They are peopled out. They, they've had enough. Peopled. <laughs> they are peopled out. They've had enough. They want some rest. But look at what Jesus says in verse 16. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So Jesus is saying here, we can't neglect the ministry. Jesus is saying that these people here still have to be ministered to. He says it there. He says, 
uh, at the end of verse 16, you give them something to eat. The only problem with that, though, is they have nothing to give. They are done. They are done. And Jesus says, hold it, guys. I got it. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. I'm the miracle worker. I'm the one who provides. You're just avenues. You're just, you are just ministers for me. Look at verse 17. Actually, verse 17 and 18. Let's read them both. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. That's very important that the Savior says, bring them here to me. Bring them to the Savior. Because Jesus is the song we sing. He is the miracle worker. Jesus says, I will multiply. Jesus says, I will provide. You see, serving in ministry is not about what we have to offer the world in and of ourselves. It is Jesus ministering to us. It's basically like this. From one beggar to another, this is what I have to offer. Christ and his word and the benefits that come with trusting in Christ. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel or make things super cool and hip and groovy, but to simply offer people what God offers them in his word, which is salvation and life and truth and mercy and forgiveness. That's what he offers. What you draw them with will be what you keep them with. You draw them with the salvation you draw them with the gospel, you draw them with the word of God, you will keep them with the word of God. You will keep them with Christ instead of trying to entertain people. Mark's gospel tells us the exact reason that Jesus had compassion. So when you study these, when you study these miracles, man, you've got to read all four accounts so you can bring the picture together. Basically, the, this event, the feeding of the 5,000, is the four gospel authors looking at it from four different angles. And when you read all four of them, you get the whole picture. But Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, um, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with, there it is again, compassion for them. Because they, why? Because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things you know, as I was meditating and thinking on this passage this week, and Jesus sees these people without having a shepherd, you know, the thing that, that came to my mind and came to my heart in my study was this. Every person needs two shepherds in this life. You need two shepherds in this life. One, you need a spiritual shepherd, and two, you need an earthly shepherd a spiritual shepherd the shepherd of our soul is jesus first peter chapter 2 verses 24 through 25 says this who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness for by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, he says it, to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Jesus is the shepherd of our soul. My hope and prayer is that Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Is he the shepherd of your soul? 
Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? Have you invited him into your life? Have you said, Lord, I'm done with the world, I'm turning from the world, and I'm turning to you? If you have, then you have a shepherd for your soul. He fills your heart. He guards your heart. Jesus is with you, and he is in you. That's the first shepherd you need. That's the first shepherd that everyone needs. Jesus, he's just not with you on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, okay? He's with you seven days a week. He's with you when you sleep. He's with you when you're awake. He's with you in your work. He's with you everywhere you go because he's dwelling on the inside by his Holy Spirit. That is the first shepherd that every believer needs. The second shepherd that every believer needs is an earthly shepherd. The Latin word for shepherd is pastor. It's pastor. The idea that you can live the Christian life without the local church and godly leaders is not biblical. You need what takes place in the body of Christ. The job of the pastor, the elder, and the deacons is to love the body, encourage the body, correct the body, and build up the body to maturity in Christ. This is the role of the earthly shepherds. It's not to hoard over you or tell you how to live your life. It's just to give you godly counsel, to, to, um, to teach you the word. This role of an earthly shepherd is so important that God gave us three New Testament books dedicated to the subject of godly leaders. We call them, in the, in the theological world, the pastoral epistles. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus is dedicated to the, the subject of godly leaders in the church that will love the people of God. I said that, love the people of God, that will encourage the people of God, that will challenge the people of God, that will correct the people of God, that will, that will be that person, that leader that you can go to and ask for advice. Hey, pastor, what, is the, what does the Bible say about you fill in the blank? Or, hey, pastor, I, I got this big decision coming up this week, and, you know, can you pray with me? Maybe give me some counsel? Give me some advice? That's the role of an earthly shepherd. And these people did not have a shepherd spiritually or naturally, and Jesus showed compassion on them. That tells me that when we look at the world, when we look at the unsaved, we should have compassion for them. We should look at every person that's lost and say, man, they so need a shepherd. They need a shepherd for their soul. And we know who can fill their soul. Jesus. Jesus can fill their soul and be the shepherd of their soul. And then we also look at the world, the lost, just wandering aimlessly through the world. And what they need is a body of believers with godly leaders who will love them, encourage them, support them, and be there for them through the thick and the thin. That is the role of an earthly, of an earthly shepherd. A godly leader will teach you God's word. A godly leader will pray for you. And a godly leader will speak truth into your life. Someone, again, someone that gives you godly counsel. My hope and prayer is that as each one of us here this morning, 
examine yourself and ask yourself, do I have a spiritual shepherd? Is Christ my Lord and Savior? And secondly, do I have an earthly shepherd? Do I have a pastor, a godly leader that I trust, that I can go talk to and receive counsel and advice? That's what these people needed that Jesus has seen here on the hillside. And, that's, and nothing's changed. We're looking up at the same blue sky that they looked up, at, looked up at the first century. Nothing's changed. People need a shepherd today. Amen? Let's look at the miracle. Verses 19 through 21. He says, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men beside the, the women and the children. You know, as I was studying this passage this week, you know, I was like, what's the significance of, of the uh, five loaves and the two fish? You know, if you think about that, two fish, they don't go very far. You know, and five loaves of bread doesn't go very far, but yet they fed over 5,000. I think the significance of this miracle, Jesus is showing, I can take a little and make a lot. I can take a little bit and I can multiply it. I can multiply it and I can take care of all people, their spiritual needs and their physical needs. And I also noticed in verse 20, I just like the phrase, you know, there's little phrases you see in the Bible that, that maybe catch your attention. And as a pastor, I'm always looking for the nuggets of truth. But in verse 20, it says, and they all ate and were filled. I can't help but to think of that being a picture of the ministry of Christ. You know, he fills us completely. He fills us completely. He fills our hearts, our souls, and our mind with his spirit. And he completely fills us. And he offers that to all people. So they all ate and were filled. So he offers that to the world. And if the world will come to him, they will be filled. They will be complete. They will have a sound mind. They will have a full heart if they will come to Christ and put their hope and put their faith and put their trust in Christ. He offers that. He will multiply. He will magnify. He will fill the people of God that come to him in true repentance and faith. This, um, this miracle, it, it, and again, the big picture, the title of my message this miracle emphasizes, because it's said in all four Gospels, the word is used, the miracle emphasizes the compassion of Jesus towards people in need. So, are you a compassionate person? Are you a compassionate believer? You think for, your, you think for a minute, I'm examining myself. You, you judge you, I judge me. But I look out across my life and I ask myself, am I a compassionate person? Are you a compassionate person? You know, are we a compassionate person? people of God. Listen to what Francis Schaeffer said. Francis Schaeffer said this, biblical orthodoxy without compassion is the ugliest thing in the world, okay? I know ministries that are spot on theologically. They got their I's dotted and their T's crossed, but there's no love and compassion 
behind their doctrine and behind their theology. And for that reason alone, I, I really don't care to listen to them. Because, because we've we got to have right doctrine, okay? That's very important. But right there next to right doctrine and sound theology, there has to be a spirit of compassion and a spirit of love in our truth. What does the Bible say? We speak the truth in what? Love. We speak the truth in love. We say it compassionately. We, we, we do it in a ministry. You know, uh, it's difficult. It's a difficult world that we're living in. And a lot of times, people will accept our message based on our love and our compassion. So we have to present a compassionate heart. You know, right doctrine is of the utmost important, but it's also important to have the right heart behind the doctrine. So what does this passage teach us about the character of God? Our our first question, you know, what does this passage teach us? It teaches us that God is compassionate. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to have that word ringing in your head because I've said it so many times. But good, that's what we're here to learn this morning. We're talking about the compassion of God. His compassion was on full display at the cross. We deserve judgment in hell for our rebellion, but he showed us grace and mercy. Let's look at what the New Testament says, talking about are we a compassionate believer. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, here it is, right there in the text, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, these are characteristics of our witness as a Christian to the people we work with, to the people in our community, to our neighbors. We are to have a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And notice what he says. I like the phrase he says, put on. Put on. In other words, you, you, you've got to embrace it. You've got to say, Holy Spirit, today I ask you to give me a heart of compassion, to give me a heart of kindness, of humility. You know, we are called to be compassionate people. You, two, two areas of compassion when it comes to our lives. The first one is we are called to be compassionate with our words. We are called to be compassionate with the words that come out of our lips. You know, you can speak of sin, righteousness, judgment, repentance, and faith in a compassionate manner. You can do it in a compassionate manner. Don't be rude. Our witness should come from a deep conviction grounded in the truth of the Bible, and we act and speak with a voice of compassion. We want people to know that we do care we want to point them to the truth. We give them no reason to discredit us by our tone or body language. Rather, we speak the truth clearly with conviction and Bye. compassion. <laughs> then we're also, not only with our words, but we need to compassionate, show compassion with our deeds. That's the things that you do in life for people. They need to be filled with compassion. Listen to what James said in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. James says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, 
and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. And I like to say that those are compassionate works. Those are things that we do to reach out to people. You and I, we should be rich in good works that point people to Jesus. Helping those in need, helping your neighbor move a washing machine or helping someone move or or doing that, it is an act of compassion. It is an act of compassion and it is an act of generosity. And we should be rich in those things as we share the love of Christ and the truth of Christ. Our compassion through good works are the doorway to sharing Jesus with people we don't know. It's an excellent way to bridge a gospel encounter, a witness encounter, through the things that we do and the way that we help other people. That's what we need this morning. That's what the Holy Spirit has brought to Calvary Chapel Irmo in our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. Is Let's be reminded this morning to be compassionate. So what does this passage teach us about God? What does this passage teach us about God? God is? God is compassionate. Yay. What is the application for you and me? The application for this passage? It is to hold firm to our biblical convictions and always live, speak, and act in a Christ-like and compassionate manner. So that's my prayer for Calvary Chapel Irmo this morning, our growth in sanctification, our study of God's word, that each and every believer that's here in person and that everyone that's watching online, that we will grow today in the area of compassion. Amen? So we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray right now. Lord, give us a heart of compassion. Let us not just hear the word and walk away and not be changed but let us hear the word and be changed and let's walk out the doors with a renewed compassion for the world. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning's study on the subject of compassion and the feeding of the 5,000. Lord, give us a heart of compassion. Give us a heart of compassion in the words that we speak and in the things that we do for those around us. Help us to be compassionate towards our co-workers. Help us to be compassionate towards our neighbors. And Lord, help us to shine that light, to shine that truth, that you are a compassionate God and that you rule and you reign on your throne. And Lord, help us to point people to the ultimate example of compassion, which was the cross. Help us to point people to your sacrifice at Calvary where you displayed your wonderful compassion towards us. Lord, work that in our hearts this morning by your Holy Spirit. Change our hearts with every head bowed, everybody in an attitude of prayer. Pray that prayer. Say, Lord, give me a heart of compassion.
Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for compassion. And if there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and you say, today I want to turn from sin, I want to put my trust in Christ, I want to be born again, all you have to do is call upon his name, say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, I repent, I put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. Invite him to come into your life. Be born again by receiving him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, call upon his name. Ask him to come into your life. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from the Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' awesome name I pray. Amen.